the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. I uh, hope you got great big plans for Memorial Day. Let's start off with just one quote. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. That's Winston Churchill. Uh, hey, it's Memorial Day. And let's not forget why we get the extra day off. Uh, let's uh, give a shout out to all the soldiers that have uh, gave their life, uh, given their lives, I'm sorry, for uh, our country and who are in still in the uh, armed services and working hard for us. And uh, thank you very much to all you people out there. You know, I had a, a friend of mine die. He was he was in the uh, army. Uh, he turned out to be an eyes, ears, nose, and throat specialist for him after uh, spending some time in uh, Alaska. You know, uh, um, guarding the frontier up there. <laughs> Believe me, some of the stuff, he, some of the stories he told me. But he, he died uh, uh, just a while ago, and and they, um, you know, they have the Western Reserve uh, military. Um, cemetery down i think it's just west of wadsworth and uh you know i i it was a very blustery day and and uh i, I had some time to kill and i walked through the the graves just looking at names and stuff like that and you know i, I i'm a little bit prejudiced and I, I don't mean to be but i i didn't realize how many women were lying there and uh so all men and women in the armed services. God bless you all. Anyway, uh, if you want to get any of the information we talk about on this show, you know, we talk about our best idea list, our, our dividend growth portfolio. Uh, you want to have a cup of coffee with me, whatever, you know, just Google or Bing Tim Hayes radio. And I show up, uh, it's got my picture up there. And then it says, remember, buy low, sell high. Uh, we always have a newsletter, Market Week, which we send out to you if you're on our mailing list. If you'd like to do that, just give us your email address or your home address. Uh, and also uh, on that same web page is the daily technical analysis. And sometimes if you see what's going on with the market, you'll understand. You know, it's amazing. I've had uh, eight or nine people in my office in the last three, four weeks, and I've asked them all the same question. How's the market doing for you? And they said, oh, we're doing great. And my first thought was, why are you here? And then the second thing is, you know, I showed them that the market has done nothing for a year and a quarter. It, it, you know, it's gone down more and it's gone up. You know, we're at the same level. We're below, we're 5% below where we were in January of 2018. So uh, sometimes it's better to see things to understand. Uh, people assume that the market's going up all the time. Well, it's not been going sideways for a year and a half and by the way sideways to down remember we had a 19 and a half percent correction 20 percent is a bear market 
And I would suggest that we've been in a kind of a bearish mood uh, since they started talking about the uh, the tariffs a while ago. Uh, you know, there's a lot of articles out there right now talking about tariffs and the Fed being too tight. That's you know, I did my senior dissertation in high school, I mean college, uh, in economics on the depression, and trust me, that's exactly what happened. So you, you want to make sure that these guys aren't doing anything crazy. By the way, there's there's a really good piece on our webpage called uh, about interest rates and how you look. If they're sending billions and billions of dollars into things like Lyft and Uber who aren't going to make money for eight or nine years, there's not a, not, a, not a lot of demand for dollars or, you know, interest rates are not going to go up is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, and also a thing on cybersecurity, I highly recommend it. Uh, we have a new newsletter out, uh, Time for a Mid-Year Investment Check, Manage Your Money in a Gig Economy, and Charitable Giving After Tax Returns, okay? So there's some good stuff in there. And... Uh, Look, uh, I was looking at some of the economic numbers, and, you know, often in economics, breaking down a whole into components tells a unique story. And while the overall GDP appears to be above, at or above potential, we'll say, uh, some of the components suggest continued, contro- uh, um, continued growth. And when business and consumers are confident, they tend to make discretionary long-term investments in things like new plants, equipment, stuff like that. Uh, on the corporate side, or new houses and remodeling projects on the consumer side. Uh, the ins- these investments, uh, they're very a uh, cyclical component of GDP, okay? And uh, even after nearly a decade of expansion, their relatively low level- levels indicate potentially more investment to come. So nobody's really spending a lot of money. You know, one of the problems that we're having with uh, industrial stocks is that there's, you know, Companies are not, they're buying back their own stock, they're raising dividends, but they're not investing in their business, okay? So there we go. And and then these investments, which uh, have historically climbed much higher prior to economic peaks, may drive economic growth for a pretty long time. So just remember that. You know, the average price paid for a new vehicle was 32500 in uh, 2018, up from $25,000 a year ago. And most of that's the government, by the way, uh, new stuff that you have to have. Furthermore, the average monthly payment on a new car loan is five thirty-five. dollars uh, That's up 10% in just in five years. Women are taking uh, jobs in the blue-collar roles that have long been and still are mostly men. Transportation and material moving, moving a field that uh, includes truck drivers, delivery people, and uh, warehouse workers saw 43% more women just in the last four years. 60% of all the concert ticket revenue worldwide went up to the top 1% of performers ranked by revenue in 2017. So that's interesting. So, you know, they did a poll just recently, and um, and it's about retirement. And, you know, the, the concept of retirement has evolved uh, considerably even within the last decade, and making it difficult for some couples to get uh, on the same page about why, when, and how they want to retire. Uh, so they're they're painting a picture of what retirement looks like, even like like is even more important today. Uh, and you know, I I just met with a couple uh, just this week, and she was a saver, he's a spender, and every time they talked about budgeting, you know, they seemed to argue a little bit. You know, not terribly, but uh, you know, she was purport pr- 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 <laughs> sorry, it's it's uh, it's late. Um, 
she was looking at savings and setting things up, you know, A, B, C list, and uh, because she wants to retire early and travel, but he wants to keep on working until he drops. So these are the type of things that uh, you have to think about. You know, you know, there's other things, contingencies like can your kids ruin your retirement? <laughs> Believe me, I've seen that in a couple times. And uh, also, you know, look, there's a lot of uh, couples that get divorced, you know, after they retire because – Believe it or not, they were they were fine until they got to, got to know each other and they started spending time with each other. So, um, there are some some strengths that you can play through here. Okay, like you know, if your employer has a a generous match for your four hundred one k, take advantage of it. Okay, it's it's free money. Um, you know, so I I I guess what I'm saying in so many words is is that there's a lot going on out there that you need to know and. Um, uh, look, if if I were getting together with you, I, I, I'd kind of look at a couple things for you. Uh, number one, uh, you got to understand it's kind of a new era. And, um, you know, we did a survey and we looked at retirement expectations and realities. And, and I, you know, I could discuss that with you sometime, but explore some new trends. They're out there. You know, you can read about them. Uh, create a vision for your future. You and your, you and your spouse, you know, um, do some life planning. Trust me, it's important. Um, work towards tomorrow. Uh, you know, do some strategic saving. Understand the risks that could impact your future. Plan for the long haul. Boy, nobody does that anymore. Expectations for work and retirement. Some people have them. Look, I've had probably eight clients retire just to do social work or do. Uh, look, I have a gentleman who, who sold a business. And is working as a greeter at Walmart because he's 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 too bored to sit around and do nothing. That's the type of guy he is, you know. He just he that's what he wants. So at retirement, what you need is some tactical advice when setting the stage. You need you know you got to look at your spending patterns. You got to do some strategic income planning. Uh, you got to have a Social Security strategy session, uh, so that you can thrive in in your encore years is what we'll call them. So. Here's some other things you got to think about. You got to manage some retirement risks and realities. Healthcare retirement—that's a risk. Minding the healthcare gap—that's another problem. Planning for the unexpected. Housing, uh, state essentials, creating a lasting legacy. Some special considerations—you know—that you don't know about at this point. So, look, uh, planning for life. I, I, I can't tell you. Um, while both pre-retiree and retiree groups are confident about the future. The creation of a financial plan or a wealth plan. Our wealth plan has what ifs. So you can sit there and say, what would, what happens if we have another 2008? Which I don't think we're going to have for a while, but it's because we're worried about it. And, you know, what happens if this happens? What happens if this happens? And you can play with it on your computer. Okay? And then it tells me, hey, this is what he was looking at. So you and I can have a discussion about it later on. So... It's very important to have a plan. A wealth plan's just as important as a financial plan, and I think it's you know it's, it's probably better because you're looking at all aspects. But then you have to sit down and you say, okay, when's the best time to retire? Some people think there is no perfect timing. Many people think that their age will determine when they retire, but the actual experience of those who have retired is different. Uh, for many, the timing of re- retirement was not planned, but a surprise that came upon by changes at work. You know, people get laid off, you know, that type of thing. Uh, they're offered a great deal. They go. Now, wealth, Dan, 
plan uh, delivers a lot of confidence. So that if you if you've got it down on paper, and we're sitting there talking about, uh, you know, well, let's put it this way: we we did a poll. Those without a plan, uh, less than forty five percent are confident that things are going to go. Okay, those with a plan are eighty four percent confident, and. Um, I, I send out stuff pretty regularly to my clientele about the wealth plan. Uh, and I, a matter of fact, I just sent something out uh, this week uh, or maybe next week. And I'll probably send it out to my prospective clients because I think it's important. If you sit down, uh, you know, look, the respondents with a health plan, health, I mean, a wealth plan said this. They're they are less likely to say the cost of supporting their life was higher than expected. They're less likely to be surprised by health care. They're less likely to be concerned about running out of money, and they're less likely to list a long-term care event as a concern. Hmm. So I think the next thing you have to do is explore some key trends, okay? Number one, there's some new ways of thinking about there about a retirement, and the modern family is different in America than it was just 20 years ago. We're living longer. We're in better health. Uh, we're kind of taxing Medicare at this point. We have an aging workforce, and we have a risk of you know, living too long. <laughs> it's that simple. So listen, this is part one. Uh, we're going to have three weeks in a row of retirement talk. Okay. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more talk about the markets. This is Smart Investor Show. Carpet looking shabby or just want to update? It's Christine with a great deal from The Floor King. Right now, you can get that new carpet or vinyl flooring you have been eyeing up for half off. Get to northeastohiodeals.com and save. Northeast Ohio Deals, savings at your fingertips. What's inside your mattress affects its price, comfort, and durability. But most mattress manufacturers won't show you what's inside their products because they simply don't want you to know. How can you know if you're getting the best value if you don't know how your mattress is made? At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that transparency is what's best for our customers. So we have open displays of each model in our showroom so you can see and feel the difference in our products. Visit one of our local Original Mattress Factory stores to see exactly what we're made of. Not so long ago, all mattresses had two sides, and for a good reason. You can flip two-sided mattresses regularly, making them last longer than one-sided mattresses. So, what happened to two-sided mattresses? In an effort to cut costs, most mattress manufacturers cut their mattresses in half. For nearly three decades, the original mattress factory has believed that building high-quality two-sided mattresses is the right thing to do. Visit us in one of our stores or at OriginalMattress.com to see how our products are built right and built to last. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her head Okay, we're back. Uh, happy Memorial Day weekend. I uh, hope you're enjoying yourself. You know, I listened to the Fed call this week, uh, or the, the after call, shall we say. And they basically said, in you know, my humble opinion, that uh, there's going to be no fireworks for a while, that's for sure. And that they see no reason 
that they need to, you know, lower interest rates anytime soon. So the Fed's favorite inflation barometer continues to fall further away from the 2% target. But many Fed officials view the decline as a transitory and and reinforcing the stance Chairman Powell took at the post-meeting. A tight labor market and subsequent wage growth shows no sign of firming up inflation. So I don't know what they're talking about. They're looking at the Phillips curve is what it comes down to. The balance sheet at the end of the balance sheet reduction process is just around the corner in September. And the FMOC held a discussion on the future maturity composition of the balance sheet. You know, by the way, when they t- when they buy the bonds back, that's a form of tightening. So I don't know. I I, I, I don't know what to say. I, you know, when... When we raise our interest rates 2.5% and the rest of the world is loosening them up, that scares me a little bit, number one. Number two, we've also taken almost a trillion dollars out of the, out of the uh, markets, out of the economy, by Fed re- balance sheet reduction, which means they're buying back bonds, sticking it back in the Treasury, never to be heard of again. And I bet you that's more like five, five percentage points. So, uh you know, it doesn't make for a uh, a great market. Uh, the market's been going up, but the like the value part of the market has is dead on its on its feet, and uh, so no one's actually investing in plant and equipment. That's the problem. That's what we just talked about, and it's killing the small caps. Uh, you know that and the, the uptick rule, which I think was a New York Stock Exchange invention. You know, killing it. So they could get the computer business because the rest of their business was going downhill. Doesn't make sense. You know, look, I looked at the market this week and I'm gonna, I'll am i talk about it a little bit here now. And um, Monday I saw it was 24 new highs and 65% of them were utilities. Folks, that's not the type of new highs you want. Uh, and we're down again now about five and a half percent from the high. And, you know, I said this a couple of weeks ago, we broke out to a new high on the NASDAQ. And just barely on the S&P 500, and I said we had 14 new highs that day. That's not what you want to do. Look, a, a great example of a, a new high, what you want to see, something like Disney that went sideways for five years and then broke out on like 14 times daily volume. Okay? That's something you want to pay attention to. So, now look, there's some fresh consumer numbers that came out of Ann Arbor last week, and they were at the highest level since January of 2004. That's the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index hit 102.4. Um, and so it's fully rebounded from the slump it started back in September of last year. Uh, and there's there's a couple things. You know, we chart everything. And if you look at the U, U, U.S. Consumer Services ETF, the IYC, it's a good place to look for uh, is the consumer sentiment translated into the markets. And it hit a new high. So uh, things are different, but they're the same. There's a lot of money still going into index funds. And every time I've seen that, it's been, you know, not good for the index because where does the marginal dollar come in? You know what I mean? Um, I am noticing that uh, there's a lot of the stock pickers are starting to beat the indexes, which is good. But so what do you do now? Uh, you got the bullish percent in a column of O's. So the, you know, we're, we're talking about the risk level is higher, which I sent that out to a bunch of people last week. And so what do you do? Well, you you can uh, there's several things you can do. You can raise cash. You can use stops. You know that type of thing. Um, and somebody asked, you know, asked me uh, why I kind of stay away from um, ETFs. And I, look, I, I don't stay away from a whole bunch, but I 
I don't use them 100%. And part of the problem is, is what we found is, is many ETFs have traded well beneath their indicated net asset value. Uh, but if you know, if you look back on uh, August 24th of last year, uh, you know, we had a big dip in, in uh, like the Focus 5 or even the, the Dow Jones. Well, back in 2015, uh, August 15th, you know, the, we opened up down 1,000 points. The net asset value was 560 points above that. So if you even use an ETF with a stop, you got killed. If you just sold it on the open, you got killed. So the the, the ETF is really a, a, a good thing versus a, a mutual fund because it's got liquidity, but it's also a bad thing because it has liquidity. So you just got to remember the pricing of an ETF is not always as straightforward for a market maker as though uh, as throughout the day uh, orders are placed for an ETF that own securities listed on a market that may not be open, okay, like international markets and that type of thing. So it, it's a little bit harder. And the other thing is, is that if you get a big sell order on the open for like, well, like uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a an order to sell a million of the S&P 500 and a million of the, the NASDAQ QQQs on the open. You know, that's, uh, neither one of those traded near their net asset value that morning. So, uh, you got to be careful. Now, eventually, it all works out in the wash. It's just the short term, and I mean 24 hours. You got to be careful with it. So, if you're using stops, um, now one of the things we talked about uh, about about a month ago was uh, some of the consumer non-cyclicals, i.e., the consumer staples. They're starting to show some uh, really good uh, movement, and their their score in the Dorsey Wright list that uh, provides us with some of our material for the show, because uh, they're the kind of they keep the point and figure charts is above three. So that's very, very good. And somebody asked me uh, um, last Wednesday, I believe it was, you know, what would you do to take advantage of this pullback? Well, I've got a list of stocks I like. Uh, I don't necessarily know if I want to buy all of them. I know there's five of them I really want to buy. So I am going to, you know, I've looked at the charts and I said, this is where I want to buy them. So I'm going to put orders in if they get close. And I'm watching them very, very close. Uh, and I, I think it's something to pay very close attention to. But if you look, what's leading the market right now is real estate and consumer staples. So technology has lost its lead for the whole year. Real estate's above it. And technology's just a hair above consumer staples now. So uh, tech's getting beat up a little bit. And, and that's been the leader. Now, we've been talking about this value versus growth thing and that we thought that value would be taking over sometime. Uh, value is where it was in 2000, and growth is just under where it was in 2000. And this is the longest period of time that growth has outperformed value. As a matter of fact, there has been no period of time, more than three, four months, where value has not outperformed growth. So we're in a weird market. I'll say it again. We're in a weird market. And people, I don't think, understand that, but uh, they should. But, look, I've got a list of names, and I, I know what I want to buy. I know where I want to buy them. Uh, and I'm, what I'm looking for is how overbought or how oversold they are. So, uh, you know, if you want our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our best ideas, you know, th- that, those are good ways to start. Now, um, I, I think we're somewhat oversold, but, you know, we're, we're starting to see trading lows continue to develop with potential – 
uh, rally, I think, into the end of the month. That's my opinion. But the outlook remains unchanged with more sideways churn, I think. You know, it's sloppy. And they're, the only problem I got is that they're, they're taking out um, a new stock every day behind the barn and shooting it. You know, Qualcomm one day, uh, Lowe's one day, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're just they're hitting one by one. OK, so so I think, you know, we're, we're just going to be sloppy for a while. And I think the outlook doesn't it remains unchanged. And I, and I keep talking about are we going to go back and test that low that we had in December? Uh, I don't know. There's a couple things I've seen, you know, financials. They are challenging the relative performance downtrends and if they turn up that would be very positive uh technology the software leadership's intact and semis uh continue to trade back to support so they're not ready to get up and go um you know i'm, I'm seeing some consumer discretionary getting uh, get up and go but you got to be really careful where you're going um now i looked at the s&p 500 and i looked at the weekly quadrant balance data and it's oversold uh, it has start to turn yet on a weekly basis, but the weekly momentum is starting to turn negative. So, you know, it may just be a flush out, a short term flush out that we get to. Who knows? But the, if you look at the daily momentum, the daily momentum's down quite a bit. So it's starting to turn up. The relative performance versus the bonds is flat. So bonds actually, you know, have actually been doing pretty well. And if I looked at the American Association of Bullish Bearish Sentiment, uh, it's still at a negative nine point four five, which supports further upside right now. So it's not, it's not terribly bullish, not terribly bearish. But the other thing, if you look at the Citicorp uh, economic surprise stuff, it's down where it usually bottoms. So we'll see about that too. And I had some questions about you know I was touting the EEM and the uh, and the Shanghai Composite, and they both come down to support. Now they got beat up a little bit. Uh, you know, they went up about 8%, by the way. Uh, and then they they went back. They pulled that right to where I kind of recommended them. So um, we kind of thought by now, you know, just between you and me and the gate post, that there'd be some movement on the tariffs. But it doesn't look good right this moment. It's, you know, it's kind of a, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see how this is going to work because I don't know how they're going to monitor it, even if they get it done. But now I looked at the 10-year bond and... You know, Bob Dickey was talking about 2%. Bob Schleimer was talking about, uh, you know, I'm looking at the yield now. It could go up to 2.8, maybe 3%. Um, that we do have a double bottom in the momentum, okay, or the relative strength. So it would be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but I think Bob's leading the way because we're at 2.25. So uh, now the dollar did not hold 98. Remember I said it's a breakout, and then it, uh, but it, it's, it wasn't an impressive breakout, you know, so uh, if it doesn't hold, you know, that might be where the, the value comes in because if the dollar starts to go in, come down, the value stocks will probably uh, do pretty well. Uh, and if you look at the yuan, uh, which is the remedy, the Chinese uh, currency, um, it had a strong move up. And then now it's been, you know, it's been showing some signs of pausing under some resistance. So there we go. And it looks like crude broke down terribly Friday, made a lower high. Uh, so who knows? I did notice one thing. The first quarter growth cyclical leadership is churning. Um, some of the, you know, pullbacks, I, I would look at banks, some diversified financials insurance, uh, cause they starting to look good. 
Broker dealers are starting to good look good, and software looks like it needs to correct, but you want to be there. And and semiconductors and industrials are kind of the same thing where you want to wait, just wait to see if they bottom. Memorial hey, stay Day. Tuned. We'll be right back with the the start of summer. It's a day of reflection and gratitude. We're here to remember their noble lives, to thank God for their profound courage, and to express our love, respect, everlasting gratitude for the heroes. This weekend, while you're enjoying the holiday, take a moment to reflect on the sacrifice of those in our military, those who've given their lives for our freedom. Because freedom is never free. AM 1420, The Answer. You're a do-it-yourselfer. You fix things around the house, take care of the yard, wash your car, and on top of it all, run your own business. But wow, when it comes to digital marketing and advertising, things aren't so do-it-yourself. You need results and just aren't getting them on your own. Salem Surround will get you results. We know digital marketing and how to deliver customers so you can run your business. Using every digital marketing tool possible is a necessity to compete in today's business world. But you have to know about all the options. Our team at Salem Surround has the expertise to manage all your digital marketing under one roof. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and, most importantly, revenue. There really are no limitations on how and where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more at surroundcleveland.com. Surroundcleveland.com. Connecting you with new customers. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, we're back. Um, remember, if you just tuned in and you want to hear the rest of the show, on Tuesdays at about noon, uh, WHK uh, 1420, if you go to WHK 1420 AM, uh, their webpage, obviously, and you go to uh, local podcasts and go down to Tim Hayes, two things happen. You go directly to my, uh, you can go directly to my webpage uh, where you can order, you know, any of the stuff that you taught, we talked about, the bond list, the best ideas, the newsletters, you know, whatever. Uh, or you can have a cup of coffee with me. We can talk about your portfolio. Um, the second thing is, is that you can listen to the show uninterrupted. Um, you know, so it's it's there if you want it. Um, you know, I, I was looking at some consumer stuff. And, um, you know, with point and figure charts, uh, our friends at Dorsey Wright can chart anything. And I chart th- stuff you know, I li- literally looks at thousands of charts each day. And, um, you know, one of the things that they were talking about was the number of new homes so- sold. And we're at a point where we, we could be breaking a double top and then another double top. So if we get up to like 716,000, um, that would be a big positive. Now, we did put an O on the chart uh, on Friday. So that was kind of interesting. So, um you know, O's mean it's going to correct a little bit. And then if we look at the Home Builders ETF, you know, which we've been talking about, it did break its downtrend line after we, we you know, we started talking about it 
I believe in February, we said the homeowners. And by the way, Bob Schleimer was right on this from uh, Funstrat. He, you know, he started talking about the homeowner, home builders, and s- same with Tom Lee, who's the uh, the head guy there. So uh, they're in a column of O's now. So it might be, you know, I noticed RBC upgraded a couple of them. Uh, I'm not going to give you the names. You got to do your own homework. But those look are starting to look fairly interesting. Okay, now we talk about the bullish percent, and the bullish percent is just a risk guide. Okay, um, there it's it's a it was started by a protege of Charles Dow, and what he wanted to do is be bearish at the bottom. I mean, bearish at the top and bullish at the bottom. Sorry about that. Anyway, so he he has this chart from going from zero to one hundred, and it's just point and figure charts, X's and O's. And what it does, it looks at the number of stocks on a buy signal, and on a sell signal. Okay, so when it get when we get to a hundred, uh, you you know. Just short the market. <laughs> when you get over 70, it's the red zone, okay? Um, and usually uh, I found, look, there's sometimes we stay over 70 for, you know, we stayed over 17 for 15 weeks one time. So, uh, but over 70, you want to be handing the ball off to the fullback. Uh, in a, you know, you don't want to be taking going for the bomb or anything like that. Um, and that's kind of the red zone, all right? And when you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when you can throw the bomb, okay? When but you got to wait till we turn up, all right? So a column of X's means the offensive team's on the field. A column of O's means the defensive team's on the field. Now, there's some other things we talk about, like are domestic equities the number one asset class, or are they worst asset class, or where are they? Right now, they're the, they're the top asset class. You may recall back in 2007 and eight, they were the lowest asset class. And we said that, you know, we thought that the money market would outperform the equity markets set it for about four or five months. And we were right. It's not, you know, it wasn't a great call. It was just, we were listening to a lot of people. Okay. And a lot of smart people said the same thing. So right now though, what we have is a, a market where we're in a column of O's. Um, we're at 49%. And so we're making, you know, we're shifting back and forth. We're up or we're down 200 one day. We're up hundred next day. Uh, but they are continuing to take several stocks out and shooting them. I've been noticing, uh, I think for like a week and a half straight, we had eight to nine stocks that were down over 10% for the day. Uh, that's not good. And uh, But we keep seeing them, uh, you know, so let's just put it this way. When you're, when you're in a column of O's, uh, you want to be looking, you know, what's working, what's not working. Uh, do I want to raise cash? Uh, sometimes it's not a good idea. Sometimes it is. Uh, domestic equities are still number one asset class, and international equities are number two, but there's a pretty big wide gap now. Now, these small cap stocks are hanging in there. Uh, they're at 41.2%. They will not turn down to a column of O's till they hit 38. The, uh, the world index is in a column of O's at 37 and won't turn back up till it hits 44. So, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting time. Small caps are the ones that are working. And by the way, it was like five, six deals last week of small names getting bought out. Uh, so we did see last week that, the you know, we went into a column of O's. And, and uh, you know, so there's less and less companies that are on point and figure charts uh, are on buy signals. And, uh, you know, look, uh, there's several things we can do here. We can raise cash uh, unless you are investing for the long term. Uh, but here's some observations from dynamic asset level investing. This is relative strength investing. 
Domestic equities lead the dolly, and in first place with 293 buy signals, that means they're up a little bit from the, the uh, uh, where they were. They were up about five or six uh, buy signals, and, and international equities are second at 248. The, the dominant style box within domestic equities is large growth, small growth, and mid-growth. It's all growth. Large value, small value are found at the bottom. So once again, you know, nothing's happening there. Technology uh, leads the way. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing utilities and real estate investment trusts and, and um, industrials and communication services also looking pretty good. And there's been some movement within international uh, equities. Asia Pacific now sits at the top of the rankings. So if you're, if you're looking at uh, whether you should be equal weight or capitalization weight, go to equal weight. Uh, like I said, domestic equities, we get large cap growth, small cap growth, mid cap growth. As far as the different groups, technology, industrials, utilities, communications, services, and financials. International equities, I would go with uh, Asia Pacific. The commodities, precious metals seems to be the place to be, uh, although, you know, they've been uh, stalling here lately. And um, then in fixed income, U.S. high yield, U.S. corporate, long duration U.S. treasuries, and municipal bonds. Uh, by the way, preferreds and convertibles fell out of the, the top which was uh, interesting. And then uh, as far as currency, the U.S. dollar is still the strongest. So those are the things I see. Look, in, if you're looking at defensive periods in a strong market uh, versus defensive periods in a weak market, you know, uh, when you have the bullish percent in the column O's, it, depl- it depicts a defensive period. But it also uh, is one that takes place in a strong market. There's There are a few positive here. So, you know, look uh, – We've, we've had domestic equities from 2011 all the way to 2016 with a number one ranked in, in, in dynamic asset level investing. So defensive market periods in a strong market have produced very different outcomes than in a weak market. OK, so in strong markets, high, uh, high risk rarely becomes a bearish reality. OK, so that that's the good news. Uh, the average return for strong markets is one point eight seven for the S&P 500, while weak markets is negative one point seven. So a, pa- a positive average return uh, during defensive periods in a strong market suggests that moving to 100% cash or net short when the bullish percent reverses down at a time when the domestic equities hold one of the top two positions is not is, can be a painful endeavor. <laughs> okay? Uh, so, you know, what, what I'd be doing is if I had some cash or I had some laggards, you know, do some spring cleaning, like we said a couple weeks ago, uh, hit the road on some things, and then look. You know, where do you want to add? Where are your favorite stocks? Now, I've noticed that, uh, you know, the NASDAQ composite and the XLG had 18 straight weeks of of positive momentum, and now I've had three straight weeks. As a matter of fact, all the indexes are at three straight weeks of of negative momentum, with the exception of small caps, uh, which has only had one week. So you're starting to see some uh, interesting stuff. Now, we, we have 10 favored sectors this week. They are, remember, we only want to look at favored sectors. That's where the best money or the money's flow is, is positive. Uh, electric utilities are at 70, so they're overbought. Waste management 65, overbought. In the 50s are software, aerospace, medical, and housing. So that's not a bad place to go. At 45 are semis, protection services, computers. And then telecom is uh, at 40. Below 30 now, we're getting a lot. We got oils. Uh, retail, drugs, 
oil services and precious metals that are not favored yet, so you got to wait for them to turn back up. I did notice uh, quite a few changes. Semiconductors, which were very favored, have just become favored. Aerospace moved into the favored area, and then going into unfavored is oil, auto, machinery, uh, metals, Internet, chemicals, and gaming. Um, you know, I, I did notice that uh, some of the large-cap Chinese things, like the FXI and a few of the others, uh, they have broken their uptrend line. Now, not their support, but their uptrend line. So, uh, But they did break below three on their uh, score on on uh, the Dorsey Wright system, which is not is not a positive. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how, if or how they reverse. Um, I looked at uh, the first trust fixed income model, you know, for those people who are looking for income, and the model removed the first trust senior loans. That's usually when interest rates are, are moving up, you want floating rate loans, okay? So since interest rates have turned south again, uh, you know, that's probably why. The commodity indexes, Oil's been negative for four weeks. It's down almost four bucks on Thursday. Uh, and and the commodity index was down four. Gold's been uh, negative for 13 weeks now. And corn has popped up out of uh, corn and wheat because of all the storms uh, and all the water in the in the fields of Oklahoma and Missouri and, and uh, you know, where we grow our corn and our wheat. Um, there's still a lot of water, so they haven't been able to plant. So they think the prices of those are going up. Uh, both have broken their downtrend line. Wheat had an unbelievable rally. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. It looks like wheat and corn are going to go up in price soon. And then uh, finally, we talk about relative strength week in and week out because relative strength is important. What we're looking to do is we're looking to have a good technical picture and a good fundamental picture. Believe me, if you do both, you're probably going to make more money if you just do one or the other. So um, Frontline, which is a little $9 stock, it's industrial goods. Uh, Gildan Ware uh, is in cyclical goods. Uh, DHT, industrial goods. These are kind of shipping, by the way. Uh, Cumberland Pharmaceuticals, little, these are all $6 stocks for the most part. Uh, and SunPower, which is also in the you know the uh, solar area. Advirium uh, Biotechnology, That's all these have been showing up on my charts, and uh, Veritone Technologies. Uh, so, these are all small names. I, I don't know what's going on there, but it's, uh, you know, these can last for long, so stay tuned. On a sell signal, this is where you want to check your fundamentals, Covenant Transports, G3 Apparel, 3M, although I noticed an insider buyer there, Petrobras, Brazil, Pearson, uh, Sykes International, TripAdvisor, Webco, and Minerva. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with uh, Insiders. Is this your year to replace windows? Well, let's simplify window shopping. You deserve a quality product at a fair price. I'm with my friend Bill from Empire Window Company. Well, Len, we're a local company. We've had the pleasure of serving Northeast Ohio for almost 60 years now. We've been in business longer than most of our competitors put together. You probably have somebody in your neighborhood with Empire Windows. And right now, I know you've got some special offers going on. With Windows, we have buy two, get two free. Buy four, get four free. Buy eight, get eight free. There's no limit. And if you're looking for the flexibility, we have up to 36 months financing available at this time. If you're siding your home this year, Empire Window Company has sided a lot of homes. And, Bill, you've got a great offer. Now, there's a big difference in quality of siding. We're offering top quality siding. And currently, we're running 35% off with free gutters. Call Empire Window Company at 877-70-EMPIRE. 877-70-EMPIRE. And get in on these special offers. You deserve a fair price. 
Call now. Empire Window Company. 877-70-EMPIRE. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting the Stand with Israel tour with my friend Dennis Prager. This tour of the Holy Land will bring us face-to-face with one of our country's most important allies and one of the most fascinating spiritual regions on earth. More than a vacation, this bucket list trip will deepen your faith and expand your mind. I personally want to invite you to join me on this journey. Register today, and I'll see you in Israel. Details at whkradio.com. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, if you'd like to sit down and have a cup of coffee, call me. Uh, 888-223-7742. Um, I am local. Uh, that's just for all those people who are out there in the hinterlands. And, um, you know, we, we can sit down and talk about your portfolio or a wealth plan. We've been talking more and more to people about wealth plan. And the people who have done the wealth plan, for, I noticed two things. Uh, number one, uh, the wife and the husband often don't agree. And so it's a good way to work out things before you retire. Um, you know, <laughs> we don't want to, we don't want you to be one of those, what they call gray divorces. Um, but it also works out some of the kinks that, you know, you're talking about. Uh, I want to travel. I want to save, you know, I want to give the kids money. I don't want to give the kids any money. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of wealth plans, and I've, I've been finding it uh, a really good session. I've also been finding that also not only is a husband messing around with these online, but the wife is messing around with these online. And you can do what-if scenarios, okay? So you can sit there, okay, what happened in 2008? Would my plan fail, or would it work? Uh, you know, and it, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, that, you know, I, I there's a couple that I've been uh, working for very closely. And she's on there all the time doing these what ifs. And so she's questioning, you know, do we have the proper asset allocation? And I explained to her that we change the asset allocation as things develop. And she felt much better about that. And we, we talked about it on the phone. And uh, so anyway, if you'd like a wealth plan, you want to sit down or you want to Talk about your portfolio as part of the program, by the way. Uh, please give us a call, 888-223-7742. All right, now we talk about insiders, and uh, we talk about insiders because they know their companies better than us. So what we've done is we started out with a big economy. Uh, we were talking about retirement today, and then we moved down to some just general thoughts on the the market, and then the bullish percent. Okay, now it's a little bit more risky time Uh not terribly risky, but risky enough where, you know, you want to be a little bit more careful. And then we talked about relative strength buy signals, which sometimes lasts for a really long time, and sell signals. So you want to look at your tech, you know, your your stuff. And uh, uh, some people are using ETFs. Maybe this has nothing to do with you, but uh, I've always felt individual stocks have made people rich. Um, 
ETFs and mutual funds don't make you poor, but they don't make you rich either. Uh, I use both. I use all three, by the way, just so you know. But anyway, we had two large buyers of Armor Residential REIT, and this thing has uh, was twenty five back in September. It's now like seventeen, eighteen bucks, and both of these guys bought a ton of it, uh, two point one million dollars worth. And Medicine Companies, uh, and this is the second time, a third time this guy has bought. One of the directors bought another three point four million dollars. He bought like eight, nine uh, just a while ago. So that's quite a bit. And and here's one that's interesting. Elon Musk, officer of Tesla, uh, bought another 175000 uh, or uh, about $5.4 million worth. Remember, he used an, he exercised an option here. Uh, so he has about 34 uh, million shares, by the way, and he exercised this 3.2 years before the expiration date. And the price was $31. So he's, he can't go too wrong on that one. Um, and then StarTech, which is a uh, a business, you know, small business company, uh, and this is a new high, which is kind of interesting. We had two directors buy uh, one bought two point four nine million, the other bought two point zero four four million. Uh, so that's a little late dollar stock. And here's one that you know uh, we have a really had a they were really good at our conference. Uh, by the way, we had a healthcare conference this week. If you'd like that information, please let us know. I have both days. But um, a director bought $1.256 million worth. And, you know, they were 24 back in October and now are 13 like a lot of other stocks. And then uh, B- Bungie, which is in farm products, the CEO uh, bought $2 million worth. And then the president bought $500,000 worth. So that's kind of good. You know, they're down from 75 bucks. Uh, I'm 70 bucks. I'm sorry. Uh, trading around 51, so uh, they're taking advantage. And then Harold Ham, Harold's been buying, uh, you know, this is one of the smartest guys in the oil patch. And I've noticed that, you know, the guys at Transocean have been buying. Uh, another guy just bought this week. So a lot of the insiders in oil, Richard uh, Kinder has been buying Kinder Morgan pretty regularly. Uh, Harold Ham bought another $2.27 million. Now he bought like $20 million worth a while back. Uh, I think it was in January. And then he bought another $1.195 million. Uh, so I, th- I believe as the beginning of the year, he, he bought like $20 million worth at 36. And so now the stock went up to uh, 55, now pulled back to 43. He bought some more. Uh, now, this is really interesting because this company's hitting a new low, and that's Annalee Mortgage or Annalee Capital Management. Um, it's a financial REIT. Uh, and, you know, we had a whole bunch of people buy last week, and then we had three others buy the the pre, uh, a director bought five hundred forty-three thousand. Another director bought three hundred forty-one thousand, and the CFO bought uh, two hundred thirty-three thousand. So that's quite a bit. And now, here's one that is really kind of interesting. Um, it's Haynes Celestial. You know, they're a food wholesaler, and uh, Glenn Welling. If you don't know who he is, you should. He's a director. He bought eighteen point seven million, and Engage Capital bought eighteen seven million, eighteen point seven seven million. There were eight buyers last week, in the last last two weeks. I'm sorry, uh, and then I noticed that Welling and Engage Capital bought another sixteen point nine million. So something's going on there, and then we have two biotech stocks, and these guys uh, have been biotech geniuses, and they've just got killed the last couple of years just because they just killed the biotech. You know, I think our our Fed chairman said something nasty about the biotechs when she shouldn't be probably saying anything at all. 
uh, and uh, and Hillary said something about him, and uh, that was interesting. But Randall Kirk, which Forbes called the greatest biotech investor of our time, uh, a company called Intrexon that has some inter- you know in healthcare and some things in the energy area. The energy stuff is really interesting. Um, the healthcare, they got two pieces of the healthcare puzzle that uh, one in the CAR T research uh, group called uh, Persigen, uh, Pers- which is just a, a not phenomenal. But remember, he bought uh, eight, a bunch of stock last week. He bought another five point five million this week. So uh, the other one is is Opco. Uh, and now Dr. Frost is getting killed in this stock, um, but it's at two dollars. And and uh, there was we had a whole bunch of insiders buy last week. We had a whole bunch more this week. They've bought to the tune of about five six million dollars or shares. I'm sorry. Uh, and the stock's f- falling from 19 all the way down to two. So it'd be interesting to see uh, if that continues, uh, you know, because Dr. Frost, you know, Dr. Frost and Randall Kirk, by the way, have phenomenal track records up until about two years ago when everybody in the biotech area got beat up, maybe three years ago. So what do I see? Well, look, everybody talks about the market here, the market there. The market's been doing nothing. I mean, it's been in a trading range now. You know, basically between twenty four thousand and and twenty six seven. Uh, f- let's see. You know, you go back to. Uh, you know, it was it was January thirty first of two thousand eighteen. So, uh, we did have a dip below that twenty four thousand last fall, pretty drastic dip, and then we rallied back up. But most of the time, we spent between those two areas, and now, we're between twenty five thousand and twenty six seven. And we're, we've been staying between that for about four months now. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Remember, Bob Dickey thinks that, uh, you know, we're heading to 2% or could head to 2% on the 10-year Treasury. And Bob Schleimer thinks it's going to be from 25 to 3%. Now, what's interesting is you've noticed that the S&P 500 has tracked very closely to the interest rates. So when the interest rates were going up, the S&P 500 has been going up. When the interest rates have been going down, the S&P 500 has been going down. Okay? If the S&P 500 is headed to 2%, I think, you know, we have more of a correction to go. If Bob Schleimer's right, we're going to 2.5, whatever, we have a good good, good ways to go up then. Now, look, don't lose perspective here because we're still in this bull market that dated back to 2009. And I don't see anything changing except for the last six months. We've been in kind of this, you know, we had the big dip down and, um, you know, well, I shouldn't say the last three months, we've been going sideways. And we're probably going to stay that way. And I talked about the sloppy, you know, movement that I think is going to occur, okay? So, look, the stock market is pulling back largely due to trade concerns. Nobody's blaming the the Fed. Remember, interest rate hikes take Four to six months. December was when they hiked. May is five months. <laughs> so, you know, it's just not the trade wars. I think it's a, a double jeopardy here. So, you know, you got to be careful. And I, I think, you know, as long as you make earnings, you're fine. If you don't, you're going to have a surprise to the downside. And any downside surprise, I think there's a lack of buyers. You know, you've been noticing that if you have been noticing, the volume's drying up. So when you have a lack of buyers, that can become a big problem uh, for us if we're looking to, you know, hold on to something. I mean, they're beating up some pretty strong companies, Lowe's, Kohl's, uh, 
Qualcomm, you know, they, uh, they beat up Intel a little bit. Uh, you know, so they're beating up some strong companies. And, and, and that's because there's a lack of buyers on the downside. It's not a lot of sellers, but a lack of buyers. Okay, so keep that in mind. So what, what I do right now, look, uh, we're, we're below 50. It'll probably take a while to get down to 30 if we get down there. It'll probably be a sloppy time, and I imagine it'll, you know, uh, you know, it'll take a while. Now, some people say that holidays change trends. Sometimes they do. Um, you know, it might be the next holiday that changes the trend, like the Fourth of July. So, you know, be careful. But in the meantime, what you want to do is start to gather ideas. I would look at our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. I have a list of some where smart people have been buying. Uh, these these are you know these are where you want to make money in the stock market. Okay, so dividend growth, prime income list, our best idea list. Uh, I would still say if I was going to buy bonds, municipal bonds are still the best. Uh, and then the next thing would be convertible bonds uh, as the, they dip. All right. And I've got some people that uh, do that in a really, really good way. So if you'd like to if you hear the rest of the show, you just heard part of it. Remember, WHK 1420 AM. Go to local Tim Hayes, and uh, it comes out Tuesday at noon. So you can listen to the whole podcast if you just missed part of it today. Second thing is you'd like to have a cup of coffee, call me, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742, or Bing or Google, Tim Hayes Radio. Go right to my webpage. Have a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes. This is Smart Investor Show. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.